Give him a shot of praise tonight. Woo! Come on, give him a shout of praise. Glory, 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 glory. Yeah. Woo! I love how one psalmist wrote it. In Psalm 23, David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You ever notice that a shadow is always bigger than the real thing? That the shadow is always a whole lot more intimidating and larger than the actual thing. Matter of fact, if we had the light just right, I could make a finger puppet with my fingers that could take up the whole back of the stage tonight. So you got to remember when you're walking through the valley uh, and you see the shadows of those things, uh, you got to remember, hey, ain't nothing to fear. Uh, it ain't as big as you think it is. Uh, it's not as hard as you think it is. Uh, it's not as difficult as you think it is. Uh, it's not going to turn out the way you think it is uh, because the Lord is with me. Uh, I have no reason to fear. I dare somebody right now to just shout. Uh, shout back the darkness. Uh, shout back the pressure. Uh, shout back the fear. Uh, shout back the intimidation. I refuse to walk around a worry. Uh, I refuse to walk around distressed. Uh, I refuse to live a life. Come on, somebody. I have no reason. I feel some faith building up in this house tonight. High five about five or six people on the way to your seat. Tell them, don't you dare be afraid. Come on, tell them, don't you dare be afraid. Don't you dare be afraid. Uh, there ain't nothing to be afraid of when you serve the God we serve. Ain't nothing to be afraid of when you serve an undefeated God. Ain't nothing to be afraid of when you've seen what God can do in your life. Hallelujah. Anybody grateful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Woo! I've been looking forward. You can be seated for just a few moments. I've been looking forward to being in the house of the Lord all day today. Amen. I'm excited. I feel like the writer that said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. He didn't wait till he got to church to get happy. He was happy all day long just thinking about getting to the house of the Lord. Every time I remembered it's church tonight, I started getting excited about being here. Amen. Amen. We want to take just a moment to welcome our guests that are in the house of the Lord with us tonight. Rock Church, would you help me one more time? Put your hands together. Come on. Help me welcome all of our guests that are here with us today. We're so grateful that you're in the house of the Lord tonight. Those that are streaming online with us tonight, uh, we're so glad that you had the opportunity to join us. And uh, so good to see a handful of people up in the nosebleed sections tonight. Amen. Good to see. Good to see Sister Pack up there. Amen. I don't know. Is Brother Pack up there? I can't see that far. My, he's not here tonight. But you give him a big hug when you get home from me. And it's good to see Sister Pack. I, I'm, I'm getting a little, a little up in years, uh, just a little bit. And my eyes are growing dim, as the Bible would say. And uh, But it's good to see you in the house of the Lord. And uh, how many of you have just been blessed by what God has done already this week? 
Anybody been blessed by God? Sunday morning we had such a powerful touch of the Holy Ghost in this place. The altars were full of people praying. And when the Lord finished around here, Christian was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. We ought to give God a praise for that tonight. And uh, several more were filled with the Holy Ghost on Sunday morning. I, I didn't get an accurate count of that many, but there were several people brand new for the first time received the Holy Ghost Sunday morning. And then Sunday night, if you missed it, I'm just telling you, you missed it. There was a Holy Ghost explosion in this house. We never made it to the preaching. The Holy Ghost did all the preaching on Sunday night. And uh, what a powerful move of God. Uh, we never dismissed the service. We just uh, left this place as a place of lingering in the presence of God. And uh, I know they've already said it before, but how many of you would just one more time testify that you've been blessed by the ministry of evangelist Greg Godwin this week? Amen. How many of you think he ought to come back quick? I think you need to convince him a little bit better than that tonight. How many of you think he should come back quickly? We're working on a little something, and uh, we know that God is up to something absolutely monumentous in this house. And uh, we're believing God for great things. We want to walk in it. Amen. Did you come expecting something great from God tonight? Would you stand with me one more time all across this sanctuary as we prepare for the word of the Lord in this place tonight? You know, the Bible said in one place that the word of the Lord was uh, of no effect to them. It did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. And uh, there, I always wondered how, how, how could it be that so many people in Jesus' ministry, the crowds that thronged him, and yet it was always just the, the handful of people that left with a real blessing because so many people do not recognize the moment in which they are living. They do not recognize the opportunity of the moment they are living in. And God forbid that we come to church on a Tuesday night and miss the opportunity of what God wants to do in. To, to, put your hand on your chest, say, in my life tonight. God wants to do a work in my life tonight. Are you ready for what the Lord wants to do in this place? Would you one more time put your hands together and give God a great big praise? Come on, give God a great big praise as the man of God comes to deliver the word of the Lord to us tonight. Well, high five three people and tell them the devil's having a bad day. Because I'm in church on Tuesday. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen, amen. If you got your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Samuel 28. 1 Samuel 28 and verse 3. We'll read down through verse 14. While you're turning there, I want to say we honor your bishop and his wife. How many of you appreciate them? Come on, so very much. Amen. We appreciate them. I've enjoyed my hookup, my connection with him the last few years. And uh, it's just been wonderful. I've been wonderfully moved by his ministry, watching him as he traveled around the country and hearing different messages he's preached and more importantly, the move of God that's happened while he was preaching and after he preached and then was with him in Baton Rouge and 
he just flew in there for a night, I, I think a night and uh, that next day. And I forget who was preaching, but somebody preached and your pastor got up and was straight in the altar. I got it on camera. I, I videoed it. He was standing there and I'm telling you, he was literally heaving tears. He didn't care. There was eight or nine hundred people there. He didn't, he didn't care. <clears throat> and the Lord had spoke to him, gave him a word that he said he needed. And I, I just, I said, I knew I liked him because he got some groove in him. And he can not just preach, but he can sing. And he can't just sing, he can sing. <clears throat> and then he can run the sound and play instruments and, and preach on all. It just ain't even fair. It just ain't even fair. And uh, But anyway, I knew that. But I saw him respond to the preaching when he was in the pew. Anybody can respond when you get up in the lights. That don't even take no Holy Ghost. You just... Kick into it. Look at somebody and say, oops, amen. <laughs> Keep him going. <laughs> I've seen him say, brother, so-and-so, come up here and lead singing for us or something. And boy, I mean, between pew number 12 and the pulpit, wham, they get a hold of something. They get off the pulpit, they get off the platform, get about second row down, and they lose it. They go back. I, this reason I don't pastor. I've been evangelized 32 years because you wouldn't. I'd cut you all quicker than a knife melted, a hot knife through melted butter. I mean, I wouldn't have that. That's just me. That's just that's not Holy Ghost. That's just me talking. But uh, amen. I was so impressed and moved when I saw him from all those people and preachers. And bam, he came right to the altar. And I mean, tears running down from his face. And God gave him word. I don't know what the word was, but touch somebody's it had to be good. Amen. If you're thankful for your pastor and his wife, would you give the Lord another hand clap? We thank God for him. <clears throat> Amen. Now I'm going to preach uh, something. I stayed in the room all day today. Love the Vans' quarters. Just love it. And uh, hung some clothes up on the door to darken the windows so it darkened the room so I could sleep real good. It's just wonderful. But I stayed in there today to... Just be with the Lord, and I feel this very strong to preach this tonight on this first Tuesday night of this new year. And uh, I won't be long. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And the key to me not being long is just every minute and a half, just say, amen. Come on, preacher. Just throw a little bit out there. It just keeps me going. But if it gets quiet, I just, oh, just I put it over in a double granny. Just start plowing. Amen. Anyway, so, amen. I, I feel this word for us tonight, and hopefully within 30 minutes we'll be at the end of it, and the Holy Ghost will take over. 1 Samuel 28 and verse 3, and I am looking forward to coming back. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I am looking forward to it. Now, <clears throat> let's everybody read these first four words. Now, Samuel was dead. Let's say it again. Now, Samuel was dead and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah even in his own city and Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem and Saul gathered all Israel together and they pitched in Gilboa and when Saul saw the host of the Philistines he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled and when Saul 
inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him, neither by dreams nor by Urim nor by prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went two men with him and they came to the woman by night and he said I pray thee divine unto me by the familiar spirit and bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee the woman said unto him behold thou knowest what Saul hath done how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. Everybody say, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. The king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? The woman said unto Saul, I saw God's little g ascending out of the earth. He said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, Old, an old man cometh up, and he's covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped his face to the ground and bowed himself. I want to preach to you tonight, just maybe it may be in a little teaching here for most of it. I want to talk to you about let Samuel live. Let Samuel live. Amen. Would you high five somebody around you and say let Samuel live. The Lord bless you and you may be seated in the name of the Lord. The circumstances of Samuel's birth were ominous of his future ministry. He was the son of Elkanah and Hannah. And it was the sterility of Hannah which brought upon her the taunts and the ridicule of Penina, which was her rival, that the Bible declares, provoked her sore to make her fret because the Lord had shut up Hannah's womb. Hale will try to take advantage of your circumstance. Somebody say amen. The provoking by Penina was excited by her superior affection that was shown to Hannah by her husband. For the Bible declares that he gave Hannah worthy portions that were intended to buy her off, ease her out of her desperate pursuit of a child. This rivalry began to heat up during the time of religious festival when the solitude increased to the most poignant of regrets. The giving of these gifts to Penina and her children caused her to exult in maternal pride and fondness, empowering her to take advantage of this season and to subject, subject Hannah to her feminine retaliation. Hannah is now just not just any woman, for she's described of high religious mission, almost a Nazarite in practice and a prophetess even in her own right. So it is the, from this burden of discontent and desire and dream that Hannah is bowed low and she is in prayer one day and she's thrust into deep intercessory prayer, we would call it now. She's almost drunk with passion, stunned to silence and her mouth is moving but there's no sound coming out. 
that uh, it even stuns Eli, the priest. And the Bible said he marks her mouth. One rendition I said he slapped slapped her. Amen. Eli was the head man. He was the religious leader. But his sons had spun out and he was even spinning out. He was unconcerned and no connection with really what was going on with Hannah. And he just slapped her back to try to get her to attention. It is from this posture of intercessory prayer that hope is always born and futures are always birthed. That's what I'm focusing on tonight is the future of this church. The last seven years have been fantastic. They have been miraculous. I had no idea the church was as powerful as it is. should have known with your bishop. But uh, it's astounding that in seven years you could... Be where you are now. Touch somebody and say, it's astounding. Uh, It's the midnight traveler, the importunity of the midnight traveler that caused the friend to give him whatever he needed. Importunity is made of two Greek words that mean unashamed to ask a second time. Unashamed to ask a second time. Touch somebody and say, I'm not ashamed to ask God again, again, to just keep asking. And that's how revivals happen. That's how churches grow because a church doesn't just get content with a revival where 40 or 50 or 10 or 5 pray through, but they thank God for it, but they wake up the next morning and they keep asking. Touch somebody and say, we're going to keep asking. Amen. Touch somebody and say, we're going to keep asking. Amen. There's something powerful. There's something that's faith-filled when, when the spirit and the posture of importunity gets on people and you're unashamed to ask again. I've 31, 32 years, I've been honored and favored and, uh, to preach in some of our greatest churches and some of our greatest revival churches. And it's astounding to see how that God will pour out His Spirit on a church that has a lot of things. It has the doctrine, has the oneness of God, and I'll talk about that. And it has holiness and separation, has all that. But but there's many churches that have all that, but they don't grow. They don't make an impact. They're just existing. They're just they're just maintaining the in place. They're just stepping, and they're not going anywhere. Amen. But I don't want to be a church that just has all the truth and doesn't go anywhere. All right, that's, that's, amen. I'm going to just tell you now in the Holy Ghost, amen. Bishop, now I know you know this, but I'm going to say it. Bishop, bishop's wife, church staff, church, you need to get ready because the passion that's on you and in you and the vision that's in you, I'm off my nose now, but I'm in the Holy Ghost, this vision is abnormal. And many people that you run with now are going to withdraw because your revival's too big. You're praying too many people through. The church is growing too fast. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, amen, you need to keep pushing for what God wants you to have. And if somebody pulls away, they just pull away. But we're not going to stop because we've got importunity. We're not ashamed to ask a second time. I'm talking about this church. You could be full before the end of the year. 
I know I see a lot of you seasoned Pentecostals aren't clapping because you hadn't seen that. But you need to understand something. I've been in these churches and I've seen this on this man before. And when this keeps rolling, you better watch out. You could have a thousand pray through in the next three months. It's all right, amen. You can be seated. I just threw it out there to see how many would respond. Look at somebody say, could you handle 1,000 people praying through in the next three months? Amen. Could you handle it? Could you handle a month of 400 people praying through? Could you handle it? Could you handle a bunch of people coming in here with drugs in their pocket and bags of crack and they just come running, not, not to the preaching, they come running during the worship and start emptying their pockets and throwing bags and you pick them up and they're full of little crack. Hey man, I've come to tell you, Jesus is coming and the last day revival is beginning to fall. You better get ready. This church is about to explode because you have importunity. You're not afraid to ask a second time. Tell somebody I'm not afraid to ask again. The rivalry heated up during the time of religious festival when the solitude increased of the most poignant regrets. Hannah's not just a woman for she's described with High religious mission, almost a Nazarite, in practice and a prophetess in her own right. It is from this discontent and desire and dream that importunity is birthed in her. What could happen in your life, in your family, your brothers and sisters, maybe they've never been to church, but what could happen if you got a hold of importunity tonight? And you were not afraid to ask God again to save your family. What? Touch somebody. I'm, I'm not getting no amens. I'm just going to slow down with you. Look at somebody say, what would happen if I was unafraid to ask again? Tell somebody, ask again. Ask a second time. Ask it again. Don't be afraid to ask again. Come on, I'm talking to this church on Tuesday night. It's the power of a praying church that knows how to get a hold of the horns of the altar and ask God again. What backslider could be saved? What harvest could be had? What lost person could be had? It was a time when deterioration had set in and carnality ruled the day. It was a time when Eli could not recognize the spiritual and Hannah could care less about the carnal that Samuel was born. Samuel is born from prayer and passion. And poverty of spirit, we hear Hannah declare, I have prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord answered my prayer. Tell somebody, he answered my prayer. When Samuel was born, she named him. She said, I'm going to call him Samuel, which means asked of God. Samuel is an answer to prayer. Can I tell you, Samuel is an answer to your prayer. What you're praying for, God's going to answer your prayer. You may not call your answer Samuel, but I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, when you get the answer to your prayer, just throw your hand up in the air and say, thank God for Samuel. Samuel becomes the little doorkeeper in the Lord's house. He will light the seven-branch candlestick at sunrise, keeping the house of the Lord in order. Eli will hear the patter of his little feet across the cobblestone, diligently attending to the Lord's business. 
Once a year, his mother will bring him a little coat made from her own loom to match his growth. It will be uniquely his. It's his own coat, and most importantly, it's his own pattern. The pattern in the coat was uniquely his. She didn't change the pattern every year that he grew. She kept the same pattern in the garment no matter how much it grew. Can I tell the church that it doesn't matter how much we grow. It doesn't matter how big we get. The pattern of our coat stays the same. Come on, touch somebody and say, I'm covered with the same thing. Amen. Samuel will be known by the pattern of his original. Tell somebody, thank God for our pattern. Let me just run through it. Oneness of God. Here is with the Lord. Our God is one Lord. Amen. I said he is one Lord. This is a one God church. Amen. It don't take three gods to beat up one devil. Come on, somebody. It just takes one God. Well, I was going to... But this is a gospel message church. It's Acts 238, 816, 1044, 19, 1 through 6. Say, this is a gospel church. Acts 238. Say, Acts 238. Acts 816. Acts 1044 through 48. Acts 19, 1 through 6. That's the biblical illustration where people were born again after Jesus resurrected from this planet. Hey Amen. You must be born again. Everybody in this city needs to hear it. Everybody you work with needs to get a little card with that information on it. Everybody needs to hear it. I'm going to move on. This is a church that knows how to praise. And what a praise team you got. What music you got. I'm telling you, it's boom shakalaka. Tell somebody we are boom shakalaka good. You're not just good, you're highly anointed. I mean, I was thinking when that y'all got on that second song, I said, man, we just give me the mic. We just blow this thing up again tonight. Go to praying people through it. I mean, it's good. It's not just good. The band's not just got a good groove together. You're not just tight, but there is an anointing on you. So this is a church that's built on let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Whosoever offereth praise glorifies the Lord. Amen. Tell somebody, I got to put on the garment of praise. You got to put it on. And then this is a church that knows how to give. A tithing church and offering church and, and all of that. Tell somebody, I can't be saved if I don't pay my tithes. Oh, come on, tell some of you didn't say nothing. You need to look at your neighbor and say, I can't be saved. That's it if I don't pay my tithes. Faithfulness, forsake not the assuming of yourselves together. What a great crowd here tonight. And so much more as you see the day appearing. Separation, the message of separation. We grow up in fullness, the measure and stature of Christ. Three dimensions of growth. You're born again, you're a new baby. You grow in fullness, measure, and the stature of Christ. Tell somebody, grow in fullness, measure, and stature of Christ. Let people come. It don't matter what they look like. It don't matter what they're wearing. It don't matter what they're taking. It don't matter what they're drinking. It don't matter what drugs they're taking. If it's legal or illegal drugs, let them come. Amen. Tell somebody they let me come. See, I'm, some of y'all ain't saying amen now, and I'm going to get you. Look at somebody say, they let me come. Now, you may be three or four years into it, and you've got everything looking good, but just tell somebody, remember a few years ago. When you came, you were tore up from the floor up. But now you look a little bit different. Such were some of you, but you've been washed. You've been, don't get so arrogant and cocky in your separation that you start looking down your nose at other people. 
Look at somebody and tell them everybody's welcome in this church. No matter what they look like, what they're doing, they're welcome. Tell somebody they're welcome. Oh, Lord. Oh, if it was Sunday night, I'd, I'd just set a saddle down because I didn't get, I got some singers. Now, y'all, I've said three or four times, y'all ain't done. He just, look at somebody and say, he's serious. Now, you need to say amen with him. You've been up here juking and driving around, and now you're going to sit out there on me, not, not in the coldest day in hell, you're going to sit on me. Amen. Look at somebody and say, Amen. 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 We've got to grow. So we grow from fullness into measure and the stature of Christ. Tell somebody, I'm growing. Amen. I've been preaching 32 years as an evangelist, 39 as a preacher. I've been saved since I was 16 years old. But you know what? I'm still growing. God was talking to me today over in evangelist quarters. There's some things I can stop. There's some things I can do better in. My communication, go on with it. Amen. What are you saying? We've got to grow from fullness to measure and stature. And I'm just going to say it because too many of y'all are looking at me and not saying that. And I'm just going to tell you the easiest thing to fake is how you look. Now you're just going to get it. I'm just going to knock your head off with it. I know y'all got this outside looking good, but some of y'all faking. You got nasty spirits, but you're dressing looking good. But you can't fake the Holy Ghost. Look at somebody saying, amen, will get me out of trouble tonight. Come on, somebody, your outside's right, but you're supposed to clean the inside of the cup. That the outside may be clean also. It doesn't say is clean. didn't say clean the inside and your outside's automatically taken care of. Hey, man, you got to clean the inside, and that gives you a chance to make your outside clean. Hey, man, look at somebody say, don't fake it. Easiest thing, I can take you down the store and buy you a dress, fix you up, make you look just like a Pentecostal. <laughs> Wrap your hair up in a knot, put three, four, five, ten, fifteen, twenty pins through it, however many it takes. You come stepping in here, look just like a Pentecostal. Ain't got no Holy Ghost, ain't repented, ain't got the, but you just walk in. Look at somebody say, you can fake that. You got to cleanse the inside of the cup first. Why? That the outside may be clean. Also, God wants the inside and the outside clean. And then the go in the gospel, the go. If we could get a hold of it, and this church is doing great, but I'm just going to preach what I'm feeling in the Holy Ghost. Amen. If it could get a hold of you, what God is trying to do here, why God brought this man here seven years ago. Why did God bring him here? Not just to save the handful that was here. Not to just fix up what the devil was messing up. But he came and he gave him a great vision. It's not just here. It's around the world. God, and he's a young, I'm going to say it. He's a young man. Okay. He's a young man. First time pastor. But can I tell you, he's been a loyal man. He's been a loyal assistant. He's been a loyal son in the gospel. God brought this man and woman here because there's greatness upon this church and upon this city. Oh, Jesus, have mercy. Amen. Samuel will renounce the evil house of Eli. You can be seated because the lamp had gone out there and there was no open vision. He had not restrained his sons from evil. The Bible says when the light goes out, the vision becomes dark. And the result of that is people perish. The signs that you had up here uh, about your theme, that is so beautiful. It's so Wonderful, but if it gets dark, 
vision ever goes out, it's not just here, it's not just your house, it's not just your family, it's not just your kids, but it's your house, it's your kids, it's your family, it's your cousins and aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas, but then it's your neighbors and it's the other, and it's the city, and then it's the state of Florida, and then it's the United States. Come on, somebody. And then it's the world where God's got your ministry in the world. What are you saying? That we've got to have a go in our gospel. I know you've heard that. Samuel is to us the voice of the pastor. He is our link of sensitivity between the earthly and the heavenly. God always has a man who is the link between the living and the dead. Who will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. There is a Samuel today in every person's life. One that will point the way to victory, power, overcoming the wicked one and lead you to a place called heaven. But Israel cries out, give us a king like the other nations so we can be like them give us leadership like they do it so we can be like the world and the church should cry out give us Samuel one that's got that prophetic touch on him one that's a prophet one that's got spiritual guidance and leading upon him can I ask you as I hurry to a close who's leading you you're coming to church here but this is just what I felt today. Amen. Before this thing launches into a tremendous revival. Who's leading you? You are being led, you know. Some people are led by falling stars. Or wolves in sheep's clothing. Samuel says to Saul, Saul, you don't want to do this. I'm going to show you the manner of the king. He says, he will take your sons and your daughters. He will appoint them for himself to drive his chariots and horses. Your daughters will be confectioners, cooks, and bakers. He will take your fields, your vineyards, your men servants, and your maidservants. He will put you, your oddly men to work as slaves. You will cry out in that day because of your king, but the Lord will not be there. That was the warning he gave to Israel. He said, now you're, you're asking for earthly leadership. You're asking for worldly leadership. You're wanting a king. You don't want a prophet. But if you want this, this is what you're going to get. There is a price you pay. If all you want is earthly leadership. Somebody ought to shout, let Samuel live. Saul was anointed. Samuel, tomorrow, he says, about this time, I'll send you to the house of, a, of Benjamin. There will be a man chasing his father's mule. Saul has a rendezvous with destiny. He's about to run face to face into a prophet. It's going to change his life. But one minute he's chasing mules and the next minute Saul is prophesying. The oil of anointing runs down the head to his garments. He sees the mantle on the old prophet, the pattern, the moment, the aroma. Saul is awed by the man of God, staggered by his persona, moved at his integrity. He will give priority to God's man and this is God's representative. The kingdom stops when Samuel shows up. It's not just a sermon, a thought, a theory. It's not just man-made theology. This is God's man. In God's house, talking to God's people. Where is the prophetic, the gifts, the unction, the glory, the conviction, the awe? What happened to it? They'll make 
time for God's house to hear God's man give up a better job to stay with God's man. I was with Brother Godair many years ago, and he was up leading the worship, and I don't know what moment it was, a few minutes before I got to preach, but he just wanted to ask somebody. He said, I want to know what, what you'd think if a church came up and over in the south somewhere, and they offered me a million-dollar signing bonus and then a million-dollar tithing every year. What, what would you do if I left and went down or left this great revival church. He's bumping a thousand nine hundred ish then and we had I, I was preaching all summer for him while he's preaching camps. I don't remember how many got the Holy Ghost. It was it was big. And and, and he was just asking and finally he kept asking the same question. Finally one man jumped up and he said, What would you do if I just left and went down there to chase that million dollar signing bonus and get a million dollars a year tie straight for me. Don't have to give none up to nobody. It's just all my money. And one man walked jumped up and hollered and said, you'd be a shyster what you are. And when he said that, Brother Godair exploded. And that's what I say you are. If you'll leave this apostolic church over three more dollars an hour. And he went to preach. I never got to pulpit that night. That's what you are if you'll leave this church for five more dollars an hour and drive another hour away because you got a little better rate. Can I tell somebody, when you got a good man like this and a good woman like this at your bishop, there ought to be no money that could buy you out of here. I've never said this preaching, but I'm saying it tonight. There ought to be no dollar bill that could take you away from this man or this woman. No matter of money, I'm, I'm talking there was men. They started running to that platform. Something happens. Slowly Samuel is just another man. I want to make another point now. He's been here seven years. They've been here. How is he to you tonight? gets up to lead service, it don't matter where it's at. Like Brother Ewing said, Bubby, it don't matter where they got it. Just give it a mic. I can get it where I need it. And that's with your pastor. No matter how bad the praise team does, how funky it gets, and whatever. If, if the Holy Ghost ain't here, he can get it here. I want to ask you, how are you with him? Two sons are wonderful. Drumming fools, what he is. I mean, he just got off work to come in here and he'd be going crazy. I thought it was Sunday morning or something. He just, his son here is wonderful, running sound, keeping all these wild animals hooked up and tied up. I'm kidding. But I want to know. He's daddy. Just pastor cut an album and sing with you, or is, is that bishop? Is that sister bishop? I'm talking about the holy all, the man and woman of God. Now they do everything they can. I've watched them for two and a half days. They just normal with y'all. They come in shaking hand, hugging necks all over the place. They love y'all, but I want to know. This man calls you or this man talks to you or this man walks in or that woman, they walk in. What do you feel? Is it just, oh well, 
was, who could say I'm a good preacher but him? But he is there. Now I'm talking for me now. Just keep playing that. Help me quit. I, I was raised in Alaska. I don't know if I told this here the other night, but an earthquake in Alaska. I was just over a year or just under a year old. An earthquake hit 9.2 on the Richter scale in Anchorage, Alaska. Look at it, 1964. Strongest earthquakes ever hit the planet that we have record of. In a little bitty military house, my sitting at a little two-top table. I was sitting in a little high chair, some towels tacked in around to keep me in. My dad was sitting against the counter, and my mom was sitting, and it started bouncing. My chair started bouncing. My mom, and the air caught me and rolled over. And they sat there for three or four minutes and pinned my dad to the counter. Downtown street, the, the downtown uh, uh, buildings that came straight down, and the roofs were level with the ground, not because they collapsed, but the ground fell out underneath it, and the whole building <laughs> went down. The richest side of Anchorage. By the time that earthquake quit, it became it was up in the sides of the mountain. It became a mudslide, and they literally lost every house and every person that was in them. They never found them. Mudslide right out in the ocean. My dad got that thing got done shaking. My mom looked at my dad and said, Frank Godwin, you've got to take me to that church you were raised in. You've got to find one in Anchorage, Alaska. Took them a couple of weeks. They finally found it. Brother Luna was the pastor. They went 30 days later. My mom got the Holy Ghost baptized. 30 days later, my dad prayed back to and got the Holy Ghost. In 67, they went to Oklahoma City. I was raised. That's where most of my memory is. I remember walking up those steps that first time. Walking up the steps, first glass door. To walk right through the door and sit right down the first pew right there. Looking in that. Here come a woman down the aisle. Big, huge hair dude. Big ponytail. I mean, great big hair dude. How are you? Yeah. My mom said, I'm Sue Godwin. This is my husband, Frank, and this is my boy, Gregory, and this is Guy. Oh, it's so good to meet y'all. Her name was Sally Whalen, Brother Whalen's daughter, oldest daughter. Next few minutes, I was going back down the steps, down the basement, down all the way down. It was like a country mile, I felt like, all the way to the corner room to Sunday school. That's where I was raised. In two years in Bible school, out to preach right before Easter and I'm standing on the platform after I got done preaching pastor's here and a woman comes running up the steps and he said come on up you want to talk and she stepped on it and when she did she was screaming at the pastor and when, I, when she did it I, I, I was looking for a lightning bolt that heifer and I meant to say what I said that heifer needed to be French fried right then. I'm, it would have sent shock all over that church. It would have been a godly fear still in there today if he had just shut out. But he's God and he didn't do it. It stunned me. I got the old pastor. I've, 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 never, I've never seen that. What do you mean you've never seen it? I've never seen one. I've never seen anybody talk to their pastor that way. I started crying. My pastor, R.D. Whalen. Angel walk out. He just, you get goosebumps and you just, man, he'd preach and I'd start crying. He'd preach. I'd just hold on pew waiting for him to give an altar call. Wham, I'd hit the altar. It was scared to fire me. I loved him to death. He loved me. But boy, when he got to preach, that whole church was, that was the man of God. You don't talk about the man of God. 
Saul. Samuel got cold to Saul. He just he didn't dismiss meetings in the palace. He didn't. Samuel come stand back there with his cane, hobbling old man, and Saul just keep on talking. Just another man. First Samuel fourteen fifty two says, when Saul saw any strong man, he took him unto himself. This is why Saul didn't kill the one king. He kept some of his sheep back because oh, he's a good man. He's a good man. You keep him. You don't let Agag. God said kill. And Samuel grabbed his sword and slew Agag right there. Old prophet. He said, when God said kill something, you kill it all. And Saul makes one more step and I'll, I'll stop. He offers a sacrifice. Waiting for Saul, Samuel to get back, but Waits seven days, like Samuel said, and he's not back. And the Bible says that Saul builds the altar and cuts the sacrifice, offers the blood. He's there praying at it, and Samuel comes hobbling over. He says, Saul, what have you done? His exact words was, I forced myself. He forced himself to disobey what the prophet of Israel told him. tried to become his own prophet, priest, or pastor. Can I tell you that in this church tonight, God wants to know, stand with me. Young or old, seasoned saint or first weekend saint, God wants me to ask you, what is this man to you? Is he just a preacher? just a preacher that can sing? Is he just a preacher that can sing and play instruments? Is he just a preacher that can sing and play instruments and make recordings? Is he just a... Or is this man and this woman... Come, sister. Come up your best. Is this couple... I'm going to say it like I believe it. Your dad and mom in the gospel... Paul in 1 Corinthians 4.15 he said I would not have you you had not 10,000 teachers he said you don't have 10,000 teachers but you have one father teachers is a word that means podagogus means boy leaders they had first chapter they begin to say we got Apollos and Cephas and we got all these guys and Paul said no 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 those men to you are boy leaders I'm your daddy. Somebody, I've got a little connection with you because pastor's got me in the pulpit. But after this is done, I have no influence. I'm here in his stead preaching because he invited me. You understand? This is, come on up here, pastor and your wife. Come on. I know you're uncomfortable, but it's all right. said the reason the problem with the Corinthian church everything the hair issue in chapter 11 all that all of that became a problem because the saints of Corinth started following boy leaders 
They were apostolics, but they were boy leaders. They were just teachers. They were podagoguses. They were not daddy. I said, you may have a myriad. 10,000 means an incalculable number. Anytime you read 10,000 in the Bible, it means an incalculable number. Like there's angels, thousands and thousands, times 10,000, times 10,000. That's thousands and thousands, which is a million, times an incalculable number, times an incalculable number. That's how many angels there are. Somebody else say, oh, angels everywhere. He said, no matter if you've got an incalculable number of people that are boy leaders to you, you don't have but one daddy. One daddy. And I, 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 I don't sense anything wrong with the sons or anything. It just, I just turned around. They were there and I just shot. Amen. I don't feel nothing wrong. But he's a great dad. I watched him last night at the house. And y'all hugging on him and respecting him and loving him. And went out, we went out there looking to see what killed a chicken. And I found y'all piled up ready to kill something. Wonderful. Watch you spiritually. How you honor your dad and mom. So I wanted to confirm that. You're, you're okay. Everybody say you're okay. As long as they keep doing that. Hallelujah. Amen. But how, how is he? How is he to you? How are they to you? How are they to you? How is he to you? How, how are they to you? Is he just a preacher? Podagogus? A boy leader? Or is he your father in the gospel? I teach a whole series. Of, I teach a whole series on that. We'll get to that later. Come on out of your seats. Come down here close. Come on down here close. Come on down to the altar. Here we, here we come. I know we, we do it in every church. Apostolic, we swing to the sides and leave the, the middle for the sinners. But I want everybody to start practicing. Now that I'm coming, we all move to the center. Hallelujah. Come out, of the, come out of the wings. We all come to the middle. Come on in. Come on in. It don't mean you're bad. You're just trying to get close to him. Come on, dear pastor. Bishop, Sister Williams, come on. And I jumped over the notes because it's Tuesday night and I want to be, I want to keep you here all night, but I think I got your attention. Paul said, this is the problem with the Corinthian church. You've got all this immorality you're doing all these things that you all knows in 1 Corinthians. It was saved people acting stupid. And Paul writes a letter to him says, you got, got, you got to straighten up. Your problem is you're following these other apostolic men, but they're boy leaders to you. They have no feeling. He said, I'm your daddy. saved them is when they reconnected with the man of God that was not a podagogus he was not a boy leader this was daddy when he came 50 some people here we are on our 8th year 4 or 500 in 7 years I was thinking today I don't know of another church I've seen grow from 50 to 500 in seven years. The Holy Ghost direct me. Remind them who their daddy is. 
however you were when you prayed through it a year ago, two years ago, three, five, six, seven years ago, however you were, Daddy helped get you out. Mama helped prayed you out. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I'm all right. I'm all right. You can stay out of a whole bunch of mess that was exhibited by the Corinthian church. They were born again of water and spirit, baptized in Jesus' name for remission of sins, and were filled with the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking with tongues, and they were put in the growth process from fullness measure to stature. But somewhere between fullness and stature in there, they got jacked up. And I think it was Cephas and Apollos, my opinion. They got to work in the fringes and the edges. And they had an anointing, so they just worked on the edges of people. And they... Can I just be plain? I've seen men split a church, take 60, 70 people, go four or five miles away, buy, get them a little back end of an apartment complex somewhere, a little building have church and never grow one person I'm saying something I've never said preaching I'm going to say it hit me while I wrote that I'm going to say it you know why because they were a podagogus they were just a boy leader in relationship to those people they had no business no business at all cutting people away from their daddy Now, 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 the Lord hadn't told me anything. I just felt this very heavy today. So I want, first of all, ministry team. If you're on staff, I want you to come up here and stand. Men and then your wives come stand with you if you're married. I want you to stand right down here at this step I'm on and down. I want you to stand right here in the middle. Come on. What we're doing, we're just, we're just going to throw the devil a curveball. We're going to hit him. How many of you was expecting something like this tonight? Good, amen. Neither was the devil, amen. So now we got him on the wine. He, we wasn't ready for this. Now I want you to turn around here and look at the pastor. This is your daddy. This is your daddy. How many of you are full time? You're full time, full time, full time, full time, full time here, full time. Okay, full time. Oh, he's been bragging on you, girl. You got. You got a little preaching, but I watched you after you had the hoop machine, the mic, yesterday. You had a ring, 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 ring. I said, okay, she good. We're going to watch. And I watched you when you got down over here. You kept doing it. Give me a high five. That's what I'm talking about. As long as you keep doing that, you'll be all right. Now, now then, now then, I want men, I want men to come line up in behind these and your wife, I want you all to come line up right in here close behind these as you can. If this is your daddy and your mama in the gospel, I want you to come in. Come on, young man, come on in here close. Get in close as you can. Get as close as you can. Come on over here, ladies. Come on, come on. Squeeze in. It's all right. Just, the middle doesn't have demons in it. Just come on over here. The glory falls out right here in front of the pulpit. Come on. I want you to reach out and touch somebody in front of you. Touch them on the shoulder. Now, I don't feel any problems. I don't sense any problems. But I want to remind you 
in the midst of your great revival, one of the greatest revivals I've heard of just in the local church, in seven years' time, I've come to say to you, beware of polygogoses. Because we're going to be praying hundreds of people through. But while we're focused, now listen to me, while we're focused on praying a lot of new people through, there won't be just a whole lot of attention given to you seasoned people. That's where you have to watch out. I've been doing this 32 years. And I could give you a long list of churches that after revival started, a rebellion happened. I'll tell you one reason I missed praying 500 people through the first three or four months. After I left, a rebellion. It took about 75 or 80 people, but it next year taught every, every Wednesday night this is where I got some of this stuff every Wednesday night flying in preach on Wednesday fly back out Thursday morning two and a half months I did it it took three or four years to stop the bleeding from saved people that had been in church for years and caused what we would call a rebellion and they rose up do you know Two years later, the pastor was in a meeting in Wisconsin. The Lord spoke to him. He said, go call that pastor, the young pastor that used to be under him. Broke him off and went up north of the city and had a little church of six families. He said, Lord, he won't answer. He said, go call him. He stepped off the platform, behind the stairs on, on the platform, and he called first ring. Boom, the guy answered. He said, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good, pastor. How are you? I'm doing good. Am I still your pastor? Yes, sir. He said, I want you in the office tomorrow. I land at 1130. I'll be at the office at 1230. And I want every one of those families you got with you. Yes, sir. Walked in and he started talking to them. Am I your pastor? Yes, 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 yes. He said to the young man, am I your pastor? He was a preaching machine, an evangelist par excellence. He said, am I your pastor? He said, yes. He said, okay. Then you're going to shut that church down now. You're not going to have church tomorrow. You're going to shut it down, and every one of your families are going to come back, and tomorrow we're going to have a special service. Y'all are going to pray for you. We're going to pray God. We're going to believe God to pray you through, and that's what we're going to do. They cried and prayed in the office and left and never came back. Within six months, every family, all six of them, were blown completely up. a young preacher slipped in behind his daddy in the midst of a rocket revival and just took six families it wasn't bad it was not almost a thousand six families had it six months after they were gone every one of them backslid and divorced I'm preaching this church not because there is a problem I'm preaching to avoid a problem That all right, Bishop? I'm preaching to avoid a problem because when this church gets focused on reaching the lost, look at somebody right and you say, "That's when we got to watch out." You're gonna be laying hands on people. They're gonna be getting the Holy Ghost. Gonna be baptized. Baptismal team gonna be busy. Prayer team, choirs gonna be busy. But you're gonna have to watch out. Like during the revival, we ought to have a day or two. We just do a saints only meeting and just 
preaching. I'd rather pray through and do this again. Why? Because if the devil could do anything, he would want to come in here and slip a group of you out. And destroy this thing. Somebody say that ain't going to happen. Amen. Now look. Now I want you, I went a little longer, I'm sorry. I want you to lift your hands, grab your wife and husband by the hand. And I want you to begin to pray now for the person in front of you. Pray out loud for them. Come on, pray in the name of Jesus. God, I pray covering over this church. God, don't let anything get between pastor and the saints. Don't let anything get between the saints and the pastor. This is the man of God that you sent to this city to save this mass of people and the thousands more that will follow. We bind every spirit that would try to hinder this work in the name of Jesus, every spirit of rebellion, every spirit of Korah. We bind it in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of Saul, we bind it in Jesus' name. God, keep us close to our Samuel. We're praying, let Samuel live in my life. Everybody ought to say that for yourself. Let Samuel live for me. We pray over this staff, Lord, in your name. We pray your blood, your spirit to cover them. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we pray against murmuring and gossiping and tail-bearing. Any of that foolishness that might creep up over this next year, we rebuke it in advance. We bind it before it even gets close. Let revival hit this church in an end-time proportion. Come on, lift your hands high. Lift your voice high. Thank God for your pastor. For your pastor's wife, we plead the blood over her. In the name of Jesus, for your bishop, we pray in the name of Jesus. Let him stay focused on this church. In the name of Jesus, we pray a high covering over and from him, over every believer in this church. Let there be a strong anointing that flows through every house, every family, every member of this church. In the name of Jesus, come on, praise him. Praise him, praise him. Come on, praise him. Praise him. Now your bishop and his wife have stepped closer to you. I want you to come in, lay hands on them. I want there to be a team prayer meeting here right here just now. Everybody connect. Just reach up and touch them. Connect with the person in front of you. Come on, sons. Get up there to you, daddy. Amen. Get up there to him. Come on, come on, come on. Get in there close. Touch somebody in front of you. Amen. Let's 
Let's keep praying here just a minute more. Come on, just a minute more. Come on, that's it. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray for that person in front of you. They're connecting all the way up to the pastor. Come on, pray with them. Pray with them. Pray in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood over this church, over every young person, every, every child, God. That's it. Let them weep. Let tears come to their eyes. Let their spirits be moved. This is my bishop. This is my bishop's wife. They're my covering. Nothing's going to come between me and my pastor. Come on, nothing, 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 nothing. Come on, that's it. Pray for the person in front of you that's praying for the person in front of them that's praying for the person in front of them that's praying for your bishop. Come on, pray in the name of Jesus. Let 2022 be a powerful year of outpouring of the Holy Ghost, a high anointing that comes from heaven's throne. Let it reach our bishop and let it flow to the staff and to the church. We pray in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, that's it, praise him. Come on, give God praise. I thank you for my pastor. I thank you for my pastor's wife. I thank you they preached the gospel to me. I thank you they prayed me through the Holy Ghost. They prayed me out of a tight spot. They prayed me out of the world. They prayed me out of false religion. They prayed me into the truth. I thank God for them. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, church, pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Now would you lift your hands and give God a shout of victory? Come on, lift your hands up. Give God a shout of victory. You're in a house that's got a father and a mother in it. Hey Amen, they're under leadership to Brother Elder, who's under leadership to Bishop Wilson. Come on, you've got covering over you. Don't do anything to spoil that. Come on, don't let anything spoil it. Don't let anything get in the way. Don't let anything get in the way of it. Come on, pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. Now would you grab one person by both hands, turn to somebody. Turn to one person, get them by both hands. Pray with them right now. Pray with one person. 
Get them by both hands and pray with them right now. Get them by both hands, pray with them. Pray in the name of Jesus that there be a unity and a oneness of accord upon this church, Lord. church praise him praise him the year of anointing at this open door a high and heavy anointing is flowing upon this church don't let anything destroy it to lift your hands right now and just begin to pray Lord use me come on use me in this season God use me in this season God come on you've called me to the kingdom for such a time as this here I am God here I am God for just a couple of moments tonight somebody lift your hands in surrender to God right now in the name of Jesus I charge you I charge you with the same call of God that's on my life for this city I charge you with that calling on your life I charge every saint of God in this house with the same call of God that's on my life for this city. Come on. Yes. Yes to your will, God. Come on. Somebody needs to lift your hand and say yes. 
yes to your will, God. Lord, I say, Ooh, not my will, but thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done, God. I surrender. Come on, lift your hands all over this sanctuary. All over this sanctuary, lift your hands in his presence.